a podcast by Vision Point Marketing. All right. Well, on behalf of Vision Point Marketing, I want to say thank you for listening to our rock and roll podcast today. Very exciting uh, kind of meta episode, if you will. I'm joined today by Vision Point's own marketing manager, uh, Christian Jessup, who, um, Christian, your job is to um, market Vision Point services uh, to the higher education community. And that's why I say this is kind of a meta episode, right? You're like a meta marketer. You're marketing, marketing to marketers. I've, uh, yeah, I've had such a hard time explaining my role to family and friends now because it's like I work for a marketing agency, but I'm doing the marketing for the marketing agency. So yeah, very, very meta, like you said, it's been interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're the doctor who treats only doctors. Exactly. There you about go. how to treat doctors. Also, one of the other kind of cool things about Christian, I'm going to speak about you in the third person here, is that you are, in addition to being our marketing manager for a marketing agency, selling marketing to marketers, you are a uh, film composer as well. Is that is that right? Tell me how you got started in that journey. Yeah, that's right. So that was kind of like my passion just as a kid, even growing up, just always listening to those like Disney Renaissance uh, films, kind of the musicals, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin. Um, and then that evolved into just listening to film scores too, from like Hans Zimmer, John Williams, you know, all the classic Star Wars, Indiana Jones scores. So that just was always a passion as a kid, uh, evolved into me actually going to college um, and doing a double major in music composition and in communication studies. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now, where I'm working with Vision Point in the marketing realm, but also working and doing film scoring and writing music as well. And I just want to point out to all those parents out there uh, who may have uh, youngsters who will be going into college at some point. Uh, so Christian made, double majored in music production and communications and is employed in both fields right now as we speak. Uh, which is amazing because not only you've been doing amazing work uh, for Vision Point, uh, but um, some of your compositions have won awards, right? Yeah, that's right. I've been very fortunate, worked with some really good filmmakers, um, got some awards. So really fortunate there and fortunate too. Vision Point utilizes some of my music stuff as well. I get to write music for our client partners and their ads as well. So that's been a really nice use of my skills. Glad I'm getting to use it in a variety of ways. I'm just going to brag brag about you and Vision Point for a little bit um, because hey, one thing that's interesting, you know, there are some great stock uh, music libraries that are out there, and I know there's like AI tools now that can supposedly, um, you know, generate compositions and so forth, and all all those things are good. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but I have heard a difference. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like you are seeing the video work that's being done, and then you are composing against that, right? So it's like really bespoke and matched up to it. So. Yeah, absolutely. So that's been a really great part of our process. And depending on the project, either I'm seeing the video that we're working on with these institutions, and I'm writing music to that. Sometimes in a few cases, I've even been working with our creative director here to write the music beforehand. So we're sending our video editors my music first and saying, hey, build the ad around the music. And I know a lot today, we're going to get into some talking about brand and stuff. And, you know, I, with my passion for music too, I have such a passion for helping institutions tell their story through music and sound specifically. And I think, like you said, there's a difference between using a stock track that any school or any company for that matter could pick up and use in their ad 
and using something specifically written for your institution. And I've been really grateful to be able to work on that and see that firsthand with Vision Point here. Yeah, I got to say there was a time when we were reviewing some video work by an institution. They had a really catchy little music jingle kind of or soundtrack underneath that that video. And I really liked it. And I, I had to watch that video a few times. I kind of got stuck in my head. And then a few days later, I'm sitting at home watching something on Hulu and I get served an ad. And I'm like, gosh, that that song is really familiar. It was like for like <laughs> a mortgage origination company or something I'm like, oh, I guess somebody did not sign up for the exclusivity on that stock track. And another creative director liked that too, or maybe it was the same agency. I don't know. So yeah, it does, it does seem to make a difference. Um, yeah. Talk to me about, I, cause you, I know you've done something called sonic branding um, for some of our, our clients and that's kind of a new term in marketing. I mean, it's emerged kind of the last five years or so. Talk to me a little bit about sonic branding. Like what, what is it? Yeah. So it's still a like scary sounding term for some people and it's still being defined, but at its base level, what everyone can agree on is it is quite literally branding for a company, for an institution, for whatever you are a part of through sound um, that can encompass music, but it can also encompass sound effects. You know, the da-dum that you hear for Netflix, that's a form of sonic branding. Um, there's, you know, companies like McDonald's, the da-da-da-da-da. So like it can be jingles, it can be music that you're using across your company. Um, it can be sound effects, but it's kind of sitting down and putting pen to paper and saying, you know what, we have defined fonts for our company, we have defined colors, we have defined logos, why don't we define what our sound is as well. And so that's been really cool to uncover. It's a lot more nebulous of a thing to discover as well, um, just because music's such a personal thing for people. Um, I know that especially early on when we were defining the offering at Vision Point, working with those first few institutions, it was really hard to kind of crack the code because you ask a bunch of different people, what sound do you associate with your college, with your university? And you might get 10 different answers, 20 different answers. Um, and so that's a really hard thing to uncover, but that's the, the job of a composer, I suppose. And it's the job of Vision Point as we work with these um, different institutions to kind of discover where is that sound and how do we uncover your brand through that sound? I was a commuter student for graduate school. So to me, the sound of my educational experience was the sound of that blinker as I'm hunting for a parking space and like one of them, <laughs> put the blinker on, kind of kind of thing moving back and forth. So yeah, a lot of different answers there for sure. It's interesting too, because um, like there are some great athletic fight songs out there. Uh, I think of like the Notre Dame, da, 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 da. why aren't those just like the slam dunk that you would want to use for say a broader academic brand? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for one, a lot of fight songs have a very similar sound. First of all, it's the similar orchestration because it's always a marching band playing the fight song. Um, and then also they use a lot of the same cadences, a lot of the same chord progressions, which there's nothing wrong with that. Fight songs, there's different things that you'd expect a fight song to sound like. And most fight songs follow that. But I think for an institution, just like any good brand logo, any good brand design, you want it to be unique. And so I think the reason you don't see a fight song fitting in well for an institution as a whole 
is because if you're using that traditional marching band sound, that could probably apply to any institution. And while there's ways that you can kind of pepper in those stereotypes, so to speak, that you associate with colleges, you also want to do something to make it stand out a little bit more. And so those like hyper-specific uses of fight songs might not fit for a university at large, just like a lot of times universities have separate athletic logos from what their institutional brand logo might be. What are some of the elements of a brand that you can capture sonically? Um, I think the biggest element is the tone that mm. you want to set. So just like a lot of brand guidelines have a tone where it's like, we're playful or we're strictly academic. You know, if you go and pull up brand guidelines for Harvard, that might look very different than a brand guidelines for Wendy's. Um, you see Wendy's going on Twitter and roasting McDonald's and all that stuff. It'd be a little weird if Harvard went and did the same thing because those two brands have, in addition to one being a higher ed institution, those two brands have very different tones written down. And so in the same thing, when you're doing sonic branding, you kind of have to decide what tone you want to set for your institution. And then it's up to the composer to, you know, put that to sound, to put that to music. Um, do we want to have a very fun, quirky sound? Are we like an institution that's always thinking outside the box? Are we a prestigious school? We want everyone to know that we have a storied history. Um, those two things are going to sound very different musically. And so it's just all about looking at those brand guidelines, you know, defining what your voice is and then putting that to music. So I, those are, that's the biggest thing I think of is just setting that tone and that voice that you use to write um, copy for your university and looking at that and seeing how that translates to sound as well. That that makes a ton of sense. And we think about like the classic Intel inside of like, dun, 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 kind of thing. Those seem like sonic logos, which is a little different than sonic branding. Is that right? Or yeah, or it's even kind of like what's what's the phrase? All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Um, the it's kind of like that, where it's like those all fit within a sonic brand, but those themselves are not the full sonic brand. I keep going back to Netflix, but Netflix, if you look it up, they actually have like a thirty or sixty second song um that's a longer version of their sonic brand now when you turn on the app all you hear is that half second da -dum, but they actually have a full sonic landscape that they've built based on that one sound and so the netflix da -dum sound is part of their sonic brand but they've got a much larger sound within that that they can apply to ads that they can use to introduce a film if they want to um and so yeah a lot of those ones you mentioned you know they might have a jingle that's a part of that sonic brand, but then they might also have a larger song or more sound effects that are built within that. To me, what's interesting about this is we think about how, you know, higher ed brands have been on television, but not every higher ed brand is really expensive, you know, but now that we're doing video all the time to have that consistent, um, you know, we're cranking out short videos, quick videos, all that to have those consistent um, sonic branding principles established seems I don't know, it just seems really important. Um, it's gotten so much more important. It's always been important, but like you said in the past, I think it's been more restricted to people with the budget to be in those big channels. But now, like you said, we have video everywhere. We're on TikTok, you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, and there's Facebook videos. So I think there's these platforms that maybe all institutions didn't have access to in the past, and now they do. 
Um, but because of that, they may not be quite thinking about video in the way that these more established brands have already been thinking about video. Um, but yeah, and it seems, I know a lot of people, I always like to think about music because I'm a musician, but a lot of people, that's not their first thought to think about the music, to think about the sonic brand in a video. But when you think about the way that music can, like you mentioned earlier, stick in your head, you start to build associations with it. And there's just such a power to some of the brands we've mentioned already that you can remember their music. And, you know, you could be in another room and hear the McDonald's song, the NBC theme, and you instantly know what it is. And I think there's a real power that we haven't quite seen from higher ed institutions yet to imagine to where if you were in another room and heard music and you were like, oh my gosh, that's my alma mater. I know exactly what, what music that is. I know their sonic brand. And imagine the power that that would have on potential students to where everywhere they go, if they hear a sound, they're associating it with your institution. Like I said, it's not something we've seen from many people yet, but now that we're in a world inundated with videos, inundated with sounds, it's got a lot of power and a lot of potential. Yeah, I hate to give hybrid marketers one more thing to worry about. <laughs> uh, you know, like we said, brand guidelines, like, well, what's your Sonic brand guidelines look like uh, and so forth. So it's interesting. Shifting gears a little bit. One of the things that you have done remarkably well for us at Vision Point is to help us keep our brand more consistent across different areas and so forth. Um, why do you think brand consistency is such a challenge right now? I think it's really hard because right now, our world is just saying more, 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 we need more. I know that like whenever I even started on the job, it's like, all right, I want to make sure I can crank out as much as I can um, to talk about vision point. And I'm sure that higher ed marketers are feeling the same way. They just know they need to push out as much as they possibly can. And when you're in that rush to create as much as possible, a lot of times brand consistency starts to take less and less of a priority to just pushing out whatever content I can. I think it's so important to have that brand consistency because it is what differentiates you. Um, we were talking about music being a microcosm of that, but just in general, people expect to see those colors from you. They expect to see those fonts from you, those patterns, um, those logos. And the more you move away from that, the more you just kind of fade back into what vision point often calls the sea of sameness where everything you post looks the same as everything else anyone else posts that's been a real sticking point for me and it's something I've learned more and more in this role is you need to always ensure that whatever you're posting sticks to those brand guidelines and you have a lot of room to play within there but you do need to stick within that as much as possible it's interesting what you said about more 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 we have at vision point I know we've taken in kind of a high low strategy when it comes to content production, other sectors, particularly B2C uh, marketing. I feel like they were on this train, this sort of high-low mix um, content train a little bit, a little bit before higher ed, and that's okay. It's interesting that higher ed is starting to make that leap of high-low mix in their marketing mix. And I'm starting, you see it a little bit in financial services, not really seeing it in healthcare yet, which is interesting. Except in some of the like B2C brands uh, that we're seeing emerge, um, especially a lot of like health health startups and that sort of thing starting to go there. But um, I'd be curious to see that, uh, you know, if that high-low thing actually translates out. But That shift. I think the new channels that have emerged too have kind of necessitated that. 
you know, TikTok, Instagram reels, we can't post high form content on those things because nobody watches it. If you have a super produced, extra fancy video ad that you put on TikTok, people swipe right past it. It's the like fun ones, the ones that are following the trends, the ones that are like you speaking directly to the camera. That's the stuff that appeals. So I think that in a way, these brands have been forced to adapt to some of the low, so to speak, content um, because of these new channels that do better with that. You know, we're going to go a little intellectual here for a minute, but when you said that, it, it really clicked something with me. You know, I, I have a master's in communication, not trying to pull rank, just saying I got <laughs> And um, they used to, um, you know, that the, there was a, a famous uh, communications theorist back in the mid 20th century named Marshall McLuhan. And he had always famously said, the medium is the message. I never really got that until we moved into the TikTok era mm. of like, oh, I get it now. Okay. That the actual medium itself is is defining what the message has to be um, in, in, in what we put forward. In, in the way that like television became, shaped the messaging of everything like politics and so forth. Um, you know, things like TikTok are doing this to us again. Um, it will be interesting just as, as an aside, and it's sort of a TBD thing. Um, as we move into the AI era, um, within a few years, all content will be personalized. Uh, even deep faked videos that will you know, be personalized to you and so forth, achieving that same level of brand consistency because that medium will absolutely define the message as well. Yeah. Um, achieving that brand consistency across those AI generated um, content areas that are that are so personalized that's going to be fascinating to watch um and see that sounds no. passive we're going to try to be in the forefront of it for higher education but still can't wait to see where that one uh kind of shakes out so absolutely and this is kind of tangential to what we're talking about but uh, it's interesting too with a lot of social media in particular we have all these really useful tools where you like click one button and it's like, yeah, post to all platforms. And I'm guilty of doing that as much as the next person. But like you said about the medium is the message. It's really not always the best plan to create one thing and then click, yes, post this everywhere because the different mediums might dictate needing something different. You know, we're not going to post the same thing on LinkedIn that we might post on TikTok because our LinkedIn audience is very different right now than our TikTok audience. And so I think sometimes as nice as it is to be able to cross post the exact same picture or the same video to all these different channels, it bears thinking through for a few seconds, like, does this make sense for me to post everywhere? Or do I need to adapt and tweak this a little bit per platform I'm sharing it on? Yeah, that's a great example of that. Of It's not all just social media either. The individual channels yeah. in those mediums start to, I mean, there are some things that rhyme across them, if you will, connection points, but there, but yeah. And that is that is every middle brow intellectual's uh, favorite uh, alliteration. Marshall McLuhan medium is message. Boom, <laughs> right there. Get your M alliterations. You always sound smart. Try to drop the word tertiary into your uh, speech at least once a day too, and, and you're good. You're uh, set. I, you know, I, I came from a higher ed, uh, I, well, I spent seven years uh, on the university side prior to this uh, coming to Vision Point. And then before that, I actually worked some for the federal government. And there always seemed to be such a fear when social media was emerging in particular of uh, 
you know, am I going to break my brand somehow if I am trying to do this high-low mix, if I am trying to crank out that quantity of, of areas? And um, you know, how much risk do you think is really out there in terms of, you know, breaking the brand? And how do we how do we reassure ourselves and reassure those we report to that we're not going to break the brand? I think there's always that happy medium between following all your rules to a T and thinking outside the box. Um, I remember I had a professor in college that always said, I need to teach you all of our rules so that you can know when to break them. Um, and that's always kind of stuck with me as a guiding principle, whether that's in music, you've got different rules in music that you can completely like disregard when the time is right. And I think that's also a good rule to apply to your brand as well. Um, if there is a reason for it, if there's a specific need for it, then it's always fine to break your brand. Now, if your entire social media channel becomes nothing but breaking the brand, that's when you might start to get to a problem because people land on your page and they're like, what is the brand here? Um, but there's always going to be those posts that you can kind of think outside the box where maybe you keep your institution's typography, but you use a new color palette. Maybe you use your colors, but do something a little different tonally than what you're used to. Um, I think back to a few months ago, Vision Point, when Taylor Swift released her new album um, at Midnight's, we did a play on that called Midnight's at the Admission Office, and it had different like track covers. And that instead of... That was amazing. Yeah, highly that. encourage everyone to see if you can go back and find that on our on our social media feeds. But that was one where we kind of broke our brand a little bit because the whole point was we wanted this to look like Taylor's album. So we're posting it, making sure like all the colors and the typography matches her stuff. And I'm so glad we did. We got a ton of interactions with it. People thought it was hilarious. Um, and that's the type of thing where it's like, that is totally okay to break the brand. Now, if you're posting about, you know, the different majors you offer, if you're posting about a college admissions day, maybe that's not the best time to break your brand. Maybe you stick to your guidelines there. But um, I think social media is the perfect place to experiment with kind of bending or breaking those rules. And it's just all about doing it in moderation, knowing when is fine and when is it too much when have i gone too far with going outside the brand thank you for reminding me of that taylor swift night's <laughs> public thing that was so much fun i think there was like two song titles we did not change i know one was you're on your own kid because that i mean that's just perfect um i can't remember what the other song i remember was. the other but yeah you're on your own kid it's like yeah yep. it's perfect as and i think right now there's a bunch of admissions people being like if only they were on their own if only they were <laughs> the old days they just sent the application, but yeah, need a little more handholding these days. It's, it's fine. It's fine. So, um, yeah, I just a couple other kind of quick questions. So talk to me about some trends that you're excited about, like in terms of, you know, any of the, any of the areas we've discussed about branding and other spots too. Like we've been talking about music. I'm just really excited to see higher ed embrace music. We're already doing it with a few of our clients and I've loved how every time they release a YouTube video now, it's got that musical consistency to it. So love, love that. And I'm excited to kind of see how that continues. Is there anything you're excited for, Dana? No, I'm pretty apathetic these days. Yeah. No, no. Um, I would say, no, I got, you know, to me, I think one of the most exciting parts is 
just this embracing of AI and what it's going to allow us to do um, and the challenges that are going to be there too. I would think about just attention and how much attention we are competing for and that AI is just going to make that problem worse. There's just going to be more, uh, more content out there that's more personalized and so forth and just more opportunities for higher ed messaging to get lost. Um, so I'm excited to help dig into that and figure out like, okay, how do we fix that? Absolutely. We've talked a lot about moderation on this episode, and I feel like AI is the perfect example of that because I think it's scaring some people right now, and it's because we don't really know where to draw that line. And like you said, it's something I'm excited to discover because it's got a lot of benefits, but also, like you said, it can just add to a lot of the noise if it's not used properly and if it doesn't have that human touch. Well, Christian, I really appreciate the conversation, man. This is great. Um, I know we talk like literally every day, but it's fun to just kind of shoot the breeze and uh, uh, explore some spots. So this is Dana Crookshank. I'm the Vice President of Business Development here at Vision Point Marketing. Uh, Guest here today is Christian Jessup, our Marketing Manager here at uh, Vision Point. Uh, Thanks for your time, man. This has been really fascinating. Yeah, this has been great. Like you said, we we talk every day, but now I guess the world gets a little bit of insight into what our daily meetings are like. So um, loved coming on here with you.